0: In today's episode, we're having a conversation about your brand. My guest is Beck Brown from the comms department, and she told me recently that your professional, personal brand is the most important part of your career that you'll ever invest in. And I tend to agree. Everything that you do as a leader is projecting a story to the world. So what story are you telling? Beck's launched her new book called You've Got This, which has some great practical advice for building your brand. So I'm giving her a call to talk all about it. I'll write it and we'll do it live.
1: 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4,
0: 3, 2, 1, Lift off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author, and mentor from Melbourne, Australia, and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network, and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now, through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really, the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. Joining me on the phone is Beck Brown. Beck has been working as a professional communicator for over 20 years and is the founder and managing director of the comms department, a PR, corporate communications, and crisis management agency where she and her team work with some of Australia's biggest and best known media, entertainment, travel, and lifestyle brands. She's a recent finalist for the PR Professional of the Year at the Mumbrella CommsCon Awards and she's the author of a great new book called You've Got This The Essential Career Guide for Creative Women. Beck, a big Welcome to the podcast. Thank
1: you. Thank you very much for having me.
0: And I need to say before we kick off our conversation, I know we'll talk a little bit about it throughout this conversation, but congratulations on the book. I, I read your book over the weekend and I dived into it. And I have I often have this bit of a um a bit of a beef because it's called t- called a um a career handbook for creative women. And I would debate <laughs> that subtitle of the book um, because I got so much out of it. Um, now your book's called You've Got This, and so I'm just gonna lean on You've Got This rather than the Career Handbook for Creative Women because I thought it was fantastic.
1: Thank you. I think that that's probably a really great way to look at it. It's quite <laughs> funny. My husband read the book after I'd finished it and he works not in a creative industry at all. He, he's an airline pilot and he read it and went, oh, I got so much out of that book. I was not expecting that. <laughs> so I think that's a great example that it is definitely for everybody.
0: I think you could re- reframe the subtitle for the essential book for people. So ignore the career handbook for creative women. Let's just make it the essential book for people uh, because it'll help them in every aspect of their career. Hey, but before we jump in, let's jump into some fast facts. Um, we want going to give people a chance to get to know you. So it's always three questions. The first one is uh, where were you born? What was your first job? And then what do you do with yourself now? So uh, where were you born?
1: So I was born in the country in South Australia, um, a little town called Laura, which is almost at the foot of the Flinders Ranges. So very beautiful, very rural, quite an idyllic, idyllic childhood, surrounded by crop and grazing farms.
0: Right, and then what was your first job? My
1: first job, I had two. One was washing cars for the local health centre, okay, which was great. And I think I was about ten, and I got five dollars a car, which I actually think was pretty. That's good That's pretty money back good. Then. That's
0: that's a good going rate for the time.
1: Definitely. And indicative of where I was, um, my parents had trees that would be all the way around our huge farm where we lived. But, you know, South Australia is the driest state in the driest continent on Earth. And So these portable trees wouldn't have survived in in Australian summer. So I used to, as well, I would get a dollar every bucket of water that I'd go put on these trees. That was my other job. But I tell you what, I I look back on those times and go, I can't believe that I was this little 10-year-old schlepping buckets of hot water (laughs) on a boiling hot summer's day.
0: And what are you doing with yourself now? So where have you come since pouring buckets of water on trees? What are you doing with yourself now? (laughs)
1: Now, what a turnaround. So I manage a, I'm the founder and managing director of the comms department, which is a corporate communications, public relations and crisis management company. And we work with some of the biggest and best brands and company and names in um, Australia and New Zealand across the media, entertainment, travel and lifestyle industries.
0: Wow. And, and, and so I feel like people who hear that, um, that uh, conversation, now you, you work with people who, and names people would recognize their household names, some of the biggest names in the world. Now there seems to be this disconnect between pouring buckets of water on trees and working with some of the biggest names in the industry, um, I feel like it would only be appropriate for people at home right now that are listening to be able to connect some of those dots in between there. Um, Do you want to maybe kind of give us a bit of a a, a snapshot at your journey?
1: Yes, it has been an interesting one. Um, I think there's two ways that you can have a career progression and, and one is a kind of a ladder approach where you just go step by step up. Mine took much more of a zigzag approach. I started out, um, my dad was a pastor at the local church. Uh, He was a nurse at the local hospital and he was also a pastor. And I grew up singing at church on Sundays and that's where uh, my parents discovered that I had a good singing voice. So I started listening to uh, every school holidays. I would rent out musical theatre videos from the local DVD store. And I just had dreams of um, being on London's West End or New York's Broadway. And, because I grew up in the country in a very small town, uh, there was no music at my local high school. So I ended up boarding with family and friends in the big smoke of Adelaide to go to year 11 and 12 to go to a music school. And then after that, I went on to the Conservatorium of Music and and my music degree. And I ended up performing straight away and I worked in opera and musicals and jazz bands and pop bands. And I went all over the world, which was a really wonderful, wonderful job. However, When I was 25, I had what I call my quarter-life crisis where (laughs) I realised I just wasn't very happy and I realised that I needed to reassess where I was as much as I loved performing. It was a pretty challenging life. This was back before there were smartphones and video calls or social media, so it was very hard to stay connected with your family and friends. And You're also going to work at night most of the time when the rest of the world is coming home from their day job. So it was quite isolating. So I was really struggling a bit. I was struggling with my mental health. I had anxiety and depression and I ended up having um, a bit of an eating disorder as well, which wasn't helped by the fact that when you are working in the performing world, you know, you're judged every day for the way that you look, the way that you the way that you sound and how much you weigh and things are much better these days. There really are. There's a lot more support available for performance, but back in the late 90s and early 2000s, that just wasn't the case. So I decided at 25 to come back to Australia and I landed in Sydney and decided to go back to uni and I retrained in media and communications, majoring in public relations. And uh, later on, I also did a certificate in social psychology because I just thought it was such a fascinating field. And yeah. so slowly over time, I um, moved across into public relations. And uh, I think my, my lucky break for me really came when I started working at Universal Music, where I got to combine my two loves of music and publicity. And that's where I started working with some really big, big names in the entertainment world—people like the Rolling Stones and Dolly Parton and Katy Perry—and yeah, it was really an extraordinary, extraordinary gig. And I was there for five years. Um, great job, fast, fabulous, furious—that you know you're getting up every day at four or five in the morning to do breakfast TV or radio with your talent. And then you're working all day on multiple campaigns and then you're out going to gigs every night and you're not getting home until perhaps one in the morning. So as much as I loved it, I kind of knew there was a time limit on it because I don't think you can keep that up for too long. Absolutely. Then I decided about nine years ago that it was time to move on to set up my own company. And that's when the comms department started. And I also, as my worldview broadened, I realized I wasn't just interested in music. There were a lot of other things that I really loved as well. And my passion, my personal passion points are things like travel. I love entertainment. I'm a huge media junkie. And I just love anything to do with healthy and positive lifestyles. So the clients that we look after are exactly those media, entertainment, travel and lifestyle
0: And I reckon people who are listening to this, one of the things that's so interesting when you've got the, I guess the gift or the advantage of hindsight is you can talk through a journey or progression like that. And it makes it sound kind of easy, right? It's like, well, I had this quarter life crisis, decided to change my life, went to uni, got a job for Universal. Now I'm working with these remarkable people. Now, (laughs) It sounds simple but it, there was obviously a lot of deep challenging experiences through that and I know you just you touched on a couple of them and, and so thank you for obviously just sharing that um, and normalizing some of those conversations but I mean if you were to go back to some of those really early experiences say that 25 quarter life crisis I mean what were some of the big things that you found shifted in yourself that kind of started to put you on the path that you went on?
1: That's a really great question because a few things did shift in me One of the great things at the time was Recovering from having an eating disorder and recovering from depression and anxiety. When I say recovery, it was a gradual process that took um, a mix of being a psychologist and learning how to meditate and journaling. And there were a whole bunch of different tools and tactics that I kind of used in order to get through that recovery. And I don't want to sound glib. But I'm quite grateful for the fact that at a young age, I went through those experiences mm-hmm. of having an eating disorder, depression and anxiety, because by doing them, I ended up being a psychologist who armed me with incredible tools and tips that build resilience and teach you how your mind works so that you can then make your mind work for you and you're not controlled by it
0: i couldn't agree more yeah i did my postgraduate degree in counseling and i found that um even people who were going through study to become counselors and psychologists even they felt like there was a bit of a stigma attached to seeing a counselor themselves. And most of the people who were in there, one of the big kind of themes that I saw is they were doing study in that area because at some point they'd seen a psychologist who had really helped them to navigate some of the really challenging times that they'd been through. And I just think normalizing that conversation around getting help when you need to is such an important conversation to be having. Um, and one of the things that we, you know, this kind of time of your life definitely would have caused you to do is to kind of take a step back and reflect on, um, I guess, your life and where it was heading, some of the things that were important to you, some of the passions that you had. Was there a lot of, um, I guess, internal reflection about what you held to be true? What are the values that you had? What did that kind of do for you in that season?
1: Yeah, definitely. A part of going through that process of having therapy was learning what was important to me and what I actually valued. And When I stopped and assessed it, at the time, my values were pretty weak. Mm. So they weren't necessarily great things like great health or freedom or adventures or kindness or success or contentment or anything that you kind of might think would lead to a good life. They were pretty shallow things like being beautiful or being thin or, Mm. or money and It wasn't if I'd stopped them at the time or if I'd stopped earlier and thought about all of those different values and whether or not that actually led to a happy life, there was a real disconnect there. I didn't realise that the things that I was valuing certainly weren't going to lead towards a happy life. So it really gave me pause to stop and think. So as soon as I worked out what my values were, I then tried to connect that with, okay, is this actually going to make me happy long-term? And then it's also, as soon as you work out what your values are, it suddenly becomes a guiding light to you because every decision that you make, it's so easy because you've just got this list of values that you can measure it against. So if I was to say, well, shall I take on this new client who is going to pay us a fortune but hmm, a bit dodgy and I'm not too sure about the ethics, You look at your values and you go, well, no, one of my values is integrity. So that's not going to work. That's going to cause a lot of dissonance. So straight away, you know, that's not the right thing to do. So I love having that. the, The values give you a framework. And I think particularly when your life is zigzagging a bit, it's nice to have a framework around that because it makes you feel a lot safer
0: yeah it kind of gives you this north bearing doesn't it this kind of um this north bearing on the compass that allows me to know whether i'm kind of living aligned or whether i'm feeling you know sometimes we can be going through life and feeling i guess a little bit misaligned and kind of not really be sure how to put our finger on why we feel that way and values bring out this really um amazing a, a, a way to be able to kind of self-check and, and self-diagnose whether or not we're kind of living uh, fully aligned and i think people who might be listening to the podcast right now might have clicked on it thinking we're having a conversation around brand and your personal um, professional brand. And it seems like a weird place to start the conversation. But I actually think the values conversation is a really important um, entry point to the conversation around professional and personal brand uh, because it actually frames so much of what we do. So, I mean, one of the things you write about is building your, pro- your professional personal brand. When, when you kind of talk about that, what do you mean by that?
1: So, a great brand shows to the world or reflects to the world. The sum total of what it believes in, what it values, and what it stands for. I love and that. yeah, isn't it great? Yeah. And, and your personal professional brand, that, that's not for me, by the way, that's just the definition of the brand. Yeah. <laughs> so, what your per- personal professional brand stands for is what you're showcasing to the world at any given time. So, we look at how we do that every day. It's in your day to day interactions, it's in the quality of your work. It's in your online presence. And over time, when you're being consistent with those values and you're showcasing that to the world, that's how you build reputation. Mm. And people like doing business with those that they like. And they like doing business with people who have a great reputation that they actually deliver on. And that all comes back. It's underpinned entirely by your values and then how you're showcasing them out to the world.
0: And so talking talking us through like the professional personal brand, you talk about it as one of the most important parts of your career that you can invest in. Some people might hear that and they would think to themselves, yeah, well, it's not really up to me to control what other people think about me. Um, what might you say to someone like that?
1: You're right. You can't control what other people think of you all the time. And if you tried to, that's a terrible treadmill to get on that you'll never get off and you need to do you
0: Mm. however
1: you're still responsible for how the world sees you and you have to take some ownership of this you can't act like a victim and say well you know that's the world can think what they like this is who I am you can continue to do that however when you're in that victim mentality you're really quite disadvantaged so Mm. when you take ownership of what you're putting out to the world and how people are seeing you, it puts you into a much more powerful position.
0: I love the the word that you've used there. Like you take responsibility for, you take ownership over. One of the quotes that I loved in your book that you were talking about is that, you know, we can't um, control what other people think about us, but we can take responsibility for that image that we project to the world. And the kind of the signals that we put out or the image that we project actually still influences the way people perceive us. Um, I remember having a conversation with someone once and they said to me, yeah, I don't do LinkedIn. I don't do that. I don't do that. And, and he started saying a lot of things like, I'm not like that and I'm not like this. And I, it kind of made me stop and go, okay, well, if you're not like this and this, what are you like? And it was almost like yes, that kind of moment exactly. of like your, your brand isn't kind of like something about, it's, it's not either you have it or you don't have it. It's really about have you taken ownership of it or have you not?
1: That's absolutely right. So your brand exists whether you like it or not. Mm. It's much like public relations. So the idea of public relations is it's the relationship that you have with your audience. Mm. And your audience, no matter who you are, you have an audience. It might be your colleagues. It might be your bosses. It might be your clients. And that is happening whether you like it or not. So everybody needs to manage their own PR or public relations because it's happening whether you're there or not. You're either in the game or you're not. Mm. Um and I, I love that, that example that you've just given and somebody saying, oh, I, I'm not like that. Or no, I don't do those things. But then it's like, well, what do you like and what do you stand for? And yeah. how are you going to showcase that to the world?
0: Yeah. I mean, what are some of the things, like if we were to kind of imagine that uh, we are going to take ownership and take responsibility for the image that we're projecting into the world, so we have to come back, like for us to be able to really do that, we've got to come back to that values conversation, right? We actually have to come back and ask, ask ourselves, well, what is it that I stand for? And how is it that I'd like to be known? Um, like if you were to kind of bring it back to that values conversation, uh, where do you even start by starting to explore some of the values <laughs> and how you even kind of take ownership over that?
1: Yeah. If you, a great question to ask when you're looking at what your values are, is asking yourself, if I had all the money in the world, how would I spend my time? Mm. What would I be doing? And you'll, if you, a great way is just to map all of those things out and this is different for absolutely everybody and you might come up with 10 or 20 things that you'd be doing and after a while you'll start to see a theme of what that actually means and they could be, they could be quite different things. Like when I map mine out, I'd be travelling, I'd be connecting with people that I love and talking to them about great ideas or products or things that I'm passionate about which is why I've ended up in PR because that's effectively what my job is. But that's different for everybody. Other people might be more about all I would do is spend time with my family and friends. That's all I'd do. And that's a great thing. But then you might say, well, unfortunately, I do need to make money and I can't just sit around doing that all day. But you'd start to then look at how you can turn those relationships into your job But then when that comes down to, let's say you've got your list of five values that are absolutely intrinsic to you and and nobody else as well because when you do create this list, you need to look at what they mean to you. You can't be like, well, I think society wants me to do this or I I think my family want me to do this. It's not about them. It really needs to be about you. Mm. And another way to think about it is sometimes you can kind of, look at what your passions or your curiosities are as well because sometimes they're often linked to your values. So a good question to ask might be, you know, when I was a kid, what really made my eyes shine? Or what do do I enjoy doing that, like, time stands still when I'm doing it and Mm. it's just the best thing and that's my equivalent of a great day. When you start thinking of all of those things, that's how you create your values list. And then you'll go back to that list and work through and number them, so choose, if I could only choose one of these values, what would they be? And that's how you kind of make them. So for me, just to give an example, my number one value is health because personally for me, I've had some health challenges in the past and I know that I can't be at my best unless my health is great. So Mm -hmm. that's number one, top of the list for me. My second list is, my second is connection and that's connection with just other people. And third is learning. Um, When I keep going down, like success is not till number eight for me and wealth is number 10. So Mm -hmm. they sit under things like learning health connection for me. And so when I'm going to make any decision or if I'm going to post something on social media or if I'm going to write a book or if I'm going to take on a new client, I come back to that values list and say, okay, how is this going to affect my health? How is this going to affect my connection? How is it going to affect my learning? Mm -hmm. And they're the first things that that are the decision makers. And funnily enough, it, and it took a while to learn this for me, like I said, like wealth is important to me, but it's number 10 on the list, it's way down. Yet I've never had trouble earning a great income and I think it's because I put the values that are intrinsically important to me above it. And by doing that, you end up having more success because you're doing the things that you're meant to do. And when you spend time doing the things that you're meant to do, success does follow.
0: And you show up differently in those environments when you're living aligned with your values. And when you show up in a different way, it influences the way people perceive you. And I think this is where this conversation, I guess, is coming into around your professional brand is the idea that if you show up into an environment and you feel like you're not showing up authentically, you're showing up out of alignment with your values, the kind of person that you are in that environment changes. And that, that eventually influences how people perceive you and the kind of um, what you're projecting to the world. Um, I, I love you. And you might know the quote and might love the quote. It's from Dolly Parton, probably one of my favorite quotes. And, and it was this idea of figure out who you are and then do it on purpose. And for me, it's one of my favorite quotes because it's I reckon part of the equation that we often miss out on this is actually first and foremost, figuring out who we are before we can do it on purpose. Um, and being able to go, okay, I need to know who I am, what my values are, what it looks like to live aligned. Has that been your experience for people?
1: Yeah, definitely. And we, so my business, the comms department tends to have partnerships, long-term partnerships with our clients. And it comes down to having that alignment in values. And one of the other reasons that they end up being long-term is you end up growing and evolving together as well with purpose. But I know that if I wasn't showing up as my authentic self and if my clients weren't doing the same, that partnership just wouldn't work. We wouldn't have been working together for seven, eight, nine years. So over time, you do start to find your communities of people that, you absolutely click with because you're both showing up as your authentic selves. And I hate the word authentic gets overused a bit, but it's such a valuable word mm. um, because it means that you are being true to yourself. And when you're being true to yourself, again, like the rest is follows. Mm.
0: I, I like that who the, the way that we show up and who we show up and, and, um, and what people experience of us eventually becomes the reputation that we build over time. And I often ask people to reflect on these questions as well, who do I want to be known by? Like who are the audience that I want to connect with and and what do I want to be known for? which might be my expertise or my experience, but then like what sits below that is how do I want to be known as? Like what are some of the characteristics or qualities that I'd like to be known for? Is it that I'm known for my, um, you know, is it that I'm known for someone who's genuine? Is it that I'm known for someone as being, you know, generous or kind? Um, There's all these qualities that um, if we hold them close and if we hold them true to ourselves, then we show up in a different way into every environment that we go into. Right.
1: It's so true. It's so true. And when you're also, acting from that place of once you know who you are, once you've established what that is, and a good way to do that sometimes is to work out what you're not for. Like what are all the things you hate? Mm -hmm. What are all the things that drive you nuts? What are all the things that you go, oh, I'm glad I'm not like that? But then often that forces you to have a good heart and look at yourself to go, am I like that? And and if I'm not, what do I want to be instead? And then the second thing I talk about this in You've Got This is that There are times in your life where sometimes there are challenges that you're going to go through and even when life is rosy and everything's great, there are times in your life where imagine yourself in six months' time and you're looking back on now and you're saying, oh, was I proud of the way I carried myself through that? And I think sometimes, you know, if I'm having a bad day, if there's a lot going on and I'm not feeling it, The first thing I'll say to myself is, you're going to look back on this moment and you're going to say, were you proud of how you carried yourself? Were you proud of what you did? Mm. And if you're not, then perhaps you need to do something else. And sometimes it's just having that internal voice, just questioning you, saying, "Is is this behavior you're about to do, is this you? Is this the person you actually want to be? Because if it's not, you shouldn't be doing that.
0: I'm so glad you said that quote, because I've had that highlighted as one of my favorite quotes of the book, that idea of like, soon I'm going to look back at how I handled this situation. Will I be proud of the way I did? And I just, I think that again, comes back to this idea that every time we show up, we get to do something and project something to the world. And is it, are we going to be proud of the decisions that we made and how we handled the situations? Just such a great insight.
1: It's it's great, isn't it? And and it leads. Speaking of Dolly Parton quotes, I love that we're quoting Dolly today. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually the font of so much wisdom. Another big one that she says, or what he's famous for, is get up, dress up, show up. And the reason I love that quote so much is there are so many times when you just don't want to do something, and maybe self doubt has crept in, mm. or maybe again you're saying, oh, I, I don't. That that not me I, I couldn't do that or I don't think that's something I'd do but in your soul and in your heart you're like I'd love to actually do that so and again when future you look back on it do you want future you to say I did that mm. so it's in those moments that you just have to get up dress up show up and I think that's a yes you know, it's a great motto for life.
0: It is. Talk us through each of those steps. So, like each of those have something attached to it. Like, so get up, dress up, show up. What does that actually mean in, in each of those steps?
1: And it de- well, it depends on what your situation is. So, let's just say, for example, that um, you've been working on a massive project and it's been taking you months to get to this point, and you're kind of almost at that final hurdle. This is where a lot of people fall by the wayside, to be honest. And it is that that falling at the final hurdle. And the reason it happens is either A, you're just so tired and over it and you felt like you've already put so much work in that oh you'll just kinda of coast through the end bit. Or B, there's a bit of self sabotage creeping in mm. and your doubts kick in and say, Oh, I don't really know if I don't know if I deserve this, I don't know if I can do this. And so that is the moment that you you get up, you literally look at what that task is that you have to do and you get prepared for it. Mm. The second thing is dress up and dressing up could be literal. It could be getting dressed, putting some makeup on, putting a suit on, whatever it is that you need to do to get out and do that final presentation or or that webinar or whatever it is that you have to do. And then the final one is just to show up. And that's also about being really mindfully present. Mm. I think now more than ever with everything that's going on in the world, One, it's forcing us all to re-examine our values. And two, it's forcing us to be mindful. And if it's not forcing us to be mindful, it's a really good time to start being so. Because when there's so much noise and chatter and worry and uncertainty in the world, when you stop and be mindful, it tunes all of that out and allows you to focus on the here and now. And that's actually all that you can control. Right here, what's here in front of you. So get up get on with it, dress up, get prepared, get ready, show up, just do the damn thing, get it done.
0: I love that. I love that regression. And and sometimes, like, I love you talk about in the book that you go, if you, if you see me, if you spot me out and about wearing a really bold lipstick, then chances are <laughs> I've forced myself to get up and show up, which I love as well.
1: And, you know, I'm just going to say it straight out, Shane. I'm wearing a bright red lip today, and it's because I'm exhausted. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've had... A huge couple of weeks. Um, there's been a lot going on, obviously, with the book publicity, but we've had some amazing things going on with all of our clients. And we've had some new team members on board, and there's just a lot of work that's going on. And it doesn't, it, I don't have many days where I'm just not feeling it because it's just, you know, I've chosen the work that I work on, I've ch- chosen the clients I work on. So it's a pretty great job, to be honest. But yeah. this morning, I'll be completely honest, I was just tired. And so that's the day that the red lipstick gets on, my hair gets done properly. I put I get fully dressed, I always wear my shoes. It's my hot tip for working <laughs> when you're working from home. I always put shoes on and then you kick them off at the end of the day and good that's when tip. You know your day's
0: ended. Really good tip. And <laughs> and one of the things that I love about this is is being real in those conversations because I think people they look at people who run their own business or they look at people who are doing, you know, quite um, you know, remarkable things like what you're doing with the commerce department and, and they go, Well, it must just be easy. If I could just have your life, it must just be easy easy so it's really nice to know that you know some days there are days where you don't want to get up dress up and show up but sometimes you've just got to consciously make that choice right
1: yeah definitely and it's funny because again it comes back to that am I going to be a victim or am I going to be empowered and take control of my life and my situation and I know that in my early 20s when I was really struggling with my mental health I had a bit of a victim mentality. I, I kind of thought, well, everything just happens to me. There's nothing I can do about it. I'll just have to accept it. And it's in those moments and I, and I would look around and I would see everybody. It just looked like everybody was doing better than I was. I'm like, they're all handling their lives. I'm, I'm just clearly there's something wrong with me. And that's just not the case. And even though now, you know, I've learned the tools and tricks to kind of manage my mental health and to... Um, make sure that I have a lifestyle that's sustainable and fulfilling and purpose-driven, which ends up driving you and, and making you feel like you're living this great life. But without a doubt, there's going to be hard days. And I think the more honest we are about them and the more we share, uh, that's the power of storytelling as well. It's another reason that I love public relations and working in the media is you just get to share stories every day. And the power of, of storytelling is in—it's the power of connection. It's um making somebody else not
0: feel alone. I'm just looking through and, and just reflecting on our conversation that we've had since we started. We kind of started with this idea of your story that kind of was this zigzag story of progression from kind of, you know, watering trees to working with household names. And part of your journey was being able to own your story and own the progression of it. And then going deeper to own some of the values and understand some of those values and then taking ownership over your lifestyle and then taking ownership over your brand i, I keep hearing this word of ownership which is around taking responsibility for the stories that we tell to other people uh, taking ownership over the kind of image that we project to the world and even just to, to the nitty-gritty taking ownership over the, our mindset and the way that we approach the days is is that a theme that i'm hearing coming through in this
1: Oh, you've summed that up so beautifully. That's exactly it. And I think that this conversation has had quite a zigzag all the way through it, much like my career. So, <laughs> you And you've summed that up really beautifully because it is ownership, particularly, and I think it probably starts with ownership of your thoughts. Mm. And that's where uh, learning some tools and tricks on how to look after your mental hygiene. When you have good mental hygiene, which is getting sleep, getting good nutrition, um, connecting with family and friends, when you do those things, it's very easy to look after your mental health overall. So when you start to know that your thought, your, you're not controlled by your thoughts, it's the other way around. So taking ownership of that first, then taking ownership of what you stand for, what are your values, what is important to you, what drives you, what are your passions, and then you're right, it's taking ownership of how do you put that out into the world mm. and how do you showcase that to everybody and one thing too now absolutely it's your day-to-day interactions and your day-to-day interactions are very important it's those tiny daily repeated steps that turn into life transformations and so every tiny little interaction that you have with somebody it's like you're laying a brick another brick another brick and Mm -hmm. you're eventually building this beautiful foundation for what you're known for And we do do that in our everyday interactions, but we also do do it online, whether that's on social media or maybe it's your company's website. And right now, because of the way that the world is operating, we're not all seeing each other in real life as much as we used to. And so now more than ever, your online presence is actually very important. And I do really recommend that now is the time from a professional perspective, just to make sure that you're digital presence is completely up to date and is consistent with who you want to be known for today. Social media has been around for a long time now, so something that you might have been posting five years ago, is it still in line with who you are? Is it in line with what your values are now? Um, I have seen some horror stories of of people, both high-profile celebrities through to sort of junior executives who have posted something on Twitter five, six, seven years ago, and it's coming up now and it's completely misaligned with who they are now. Mm. However, they're being held responsible for it because they kept it there. So you might want to do an audit of all yeah, of your social media Go back as media far accounts, as MySpace, for that's
0: for sure. Definitely yeah. keep going far, <laughs> far enough back. We're not as invisible as we think, right?
1: Because of the way that our brains work, we're always, our brains are always seeking information and seeking to analyze and make that information make sense. Mm. And so if, I'm If I had two people who I need to get to know, and one of them has no social media presence or no online presence, that I really except for a travel blog from two thousand and seven <laughs> and something random a random photo they were tagged in an event once, versus somebody who actually has most of their information on their social media and I get a feel for them, they're not quite my kind of person, but uh, you know at least I know at least I know something about them. My brain can make sense of them. Most of the time you're going to, if you have to choose between those two people, you're going to go with what's known over what's unknown, Mm. which means having, even if it's a base level, very, very base level, you don't even have to update your social media if that that works for you, but having some kind of baseline um, point of reference so Mm. that people can understand who you are, what you stand for and what kind of reputation you might have.
0: Yeah, even just update your your LinkedIn bio. Like if nothing else, you don't have to post anything and just keep it up to date. And I, I liked what you talked about before, this idea that you mature. And we know at the start we talked about your, you know, your 25 year old self going through the values. And one of the things that I liked you said is that your your values have matured over time or they've progressed. And so part of this is actually going to recognise that we change and we develop and we grow and part of that is making sure that our professional, personal brand grows with us and it doesn't, I guess, kind of be misaligned with who we are today or how we'd like to be known in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. One of the amazing things about being a human being is that you are under no obligation to remain the same your entire life. You can change as much or as little as you like. Um, However, you need to be updating that again it needs to be reflective and you you need to be assessing how that's being portrayed to the rest of the world Mm. um yeah it's a good thing what would
0: you say are some practical things that people could do right now that would be i guess start them on this journey of building their uh, personal professional brand
1: the two tricks to get in place straight away are one find out what your values are work out what it is that's the most important to you and then two work out what your passions and curiosities are now, if you really know yourself quite well and you're in a job that you love, it's going to be very easy for you to do this. If you're in a role that you're not particularly happy in at work or you're in a relationship that you're not particularly happy in, it's going to be a time for you to be able to reassess what's important to you and what you love. Um, I think there's a great, um, there's some great information in a lot of the study that I did for the book was finding out, you know, the secrets of happy 100-year-olds or finding out some of the secrets for the most successful people. And they kept coming back to a few things. One was um, having an exocentric view of life, so, you know, looking outwards, having a sense of community. The other one is having a passion that you actively pursue. And so if you can work out what that passion is, it's really going to set you up. The third one, just because I need to finish that sentence, is (laughs) an ability to get over disappointment. Mm. And what a great, you know, there's nothing better right now with all that's going on in the world. I'm pretty sure most people have had some disappointments this year. And I think knowing, yeah, and just getting yourself in that frame of mind of saying, do you know what, I can get over this disappointment and it's something that I can move on from. But Something more practical from that is once you've worked out what your values are, once you know what your passions and or curiosities are, it's then just coming back to how are you going to tell this to the world? So how it's just doing an audit of how do I show up? What are my day-to-day interactions like when these are being showcased? Mm. And then maybe it's mapping out some goals um, to align these and, and bring them all together. So, the way that I tend to do some goal setting is I'll map out something that might be four or five years away and then I'll work out something that's maybe three to six months away. And then at the end of every month, I'll check in to see if I'm moving towards those goals. And those goals are completely made up of things that are in line with my values and are things that are in line with what I'm passionate about. And the great thing about doing this monthly check-in is, there are many days where you might have a bit of an unproductive day or an unproductive week. Don't stress about that too much because mm. while it might be very easy to have an unproductive day or week, it's actually quite hard to have an unproductive month. So just keep, keep coming back to that idea of tiny, repeated daily steps turn into life transformations. And it is little by little, brick by brick, there's a beautiful saying, which I can't say in French because my French is terrible, but <laughs> it's, it's the idea that little by little, the bird builds its nest. And I love the idea that that's much what our lives are like as well. It doesn't have to be this fast and furious rise to success. It can often just be little by little, building the nest, building your success for yourself as well, if that's what makes you happy.
0: Remarkable. I love that picture and, and, and what a really nice uh, image to leave people with in their mind that this is a conversation um, and it's a process over time that little by little we, we get to build a um, essentially and and tell our story and and i love the the incredible themes of ownership and values and the the real deep kind of conversations to have first that allow us to show up in a really valuable way and tell a really great story to the people around us and i feel like today we really just scratched the surface like we we touched on maybe one chapter of the chapters in your book and your book's called you've got this the essential career handbook for creative women or what i've essentially renamed as the essential book for people um today and I, i would encourage everyone to get out there and and get a copy of it because it really is helpful but it's not just helpful for people it's also um um, part of the proceeds are going to two incredible organizations um the life-changing experiences foundation and fitted for work um what was what was part of the the heart behind doing that
1: yeah they are two incredible organizations both who work um to support disadvantaged women or, or young girls as well and both of the organizations in different ways work to equip women with confidence, self-esteem, skills, and knowledge in order to turn them into strong women capable of taking their place in the world.
0: I love that that's going towards that. And obviously, this is a conversation that we've had today around you know, some of the PR work that you do. And you do a lot with through the comms department in terms of um, crisis management, helping people to tell the right story in the right time in the right way. Uh, you help individuals and brands and organizations. And and of course, people can reach out to you and connect with you at the comms department. Is What's the best way to get in touch with you through that? Yes.
1: Thank you. So, yeah, um, with the book, like you mentioned, we touched on some of the really foundational things today. But later in the chapter, there's lots of really practical stuff. And there's a whole chapter in the book about how to be cool in a crisis and how to manage any crisis. And I've actually given away one of the 10-step plans that we use um, with some of our clients when a crisis hits. So it's a big, um, it's a great way to learn really practical skills as well. But if anybody wants to reach out to me, um, I'm on, I'm at LinkedIn at Beck Brown Communications, and also Instagram on Beck Brown Communications. Otherwise, just uh, head to thecomsdepartment.com.au.
0: Amazing. I'll put all of those links in the show notes so people can reach out and connect with you directly. But Beck, thank you so much for taking some time to have a conversation and and really helpful conversation around brands. So thank you.
1: Thank
0: you. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.